And hello again, Cincinnati beer fans. My name is Mike Cisneros, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. I am by myself in the studio tonight. Uh, Tina Cisneros, the queen of Cincinnati craft beer commentary, uh, was unable to join us tonight. Uh, She had a very busy weekend. Of course, the All-Star Game is in town, so all hands are decked are on deck, if you will, uh, as far as the service industry goes. And our colleague Tina is is no different. She's uh, she's working hard in the industry tonight. And the Gnarly Gnome also uh, was unable to join us in studio today. He is in the Gnome Cellar, recharging his gnomeness. He will be back with myself and Tina uh, next week for a very special show that we'll tell you about in a few minutes. Uh, However, Tina did join me on an interview with David Volkman of Ohio Valley Hops uh, out in Mainville, Ohio. And so you will hear Tina on our interview with David, and that'll be coming up shortly here on the Brewcast. And the Gnome uh, did not disappoint as far as craft beer commentary is concerned. He filed several reports for us. And the first one is uh, what's going on. Uh, is what's going on. Wait a minute. <laughs> is what's going on. From the beer fridge. And what we wanted to do today uh, from the beer fridge is, of course, as we mentioned, the all-star game is in town as this program is posting uh it will be i believe monday night or even tuesday night uh nonetheless all-star game is in town cincinnati is pumped up psyched up uh was happened to be down at the legends game uh, on sunday and as exciting and excited as the cincinnati crowd uh, as you'll see uh from a distance i got to see uh, ohio state football coach urban meyer and nick lachey they had been signing some autographs and uh, we're getting ready for the celebrity game i did not stay for that uh but uh very exciting scene in town so what we wanted to try to do is get some beers uh that were sort of had a even just a slight uh baseball uh, interest for everybody and so we're going to let Gnome go first since he sent his uh, report to us. And um, he actually got a hold of two really good uh, baseball and sort of Cincinnati uh, beers. And uh, here's the first, uh, here's his first installment. The first beer that I'm going to crack open for my quote unquote beer fridge is not actually in my beer fridge at all. I actually had it last night at the tap room. Um, so I'm going from notes here, so I think I might be breaking all kinds of from the beer fridge rules, but this beer was so good I have to uh, have to talk about it. I was down at Braxton Brewing Company last night with my wife, and uh, we had a chance to try their 1957 All-Star Ale, which is an English mild. Um, it's, uh, I think, 4%, 17 IBUs, um, and it, until they run out, they're serving each pint that you buy with a bag of Cracker Jack, which um, the beer is designed to kind of pair with or bring out some of those flavors of the Cracker Jack, which it does phenomenally. So um, we sat down and had some. It's served in a um, special Braxton baseball pint glass that looks like a can. It's a neat presentation of everything. Um, What stood out to me was that, yes, it tastes like Cracker Jacks perfectly. It's nice and caramely with... um, 
lots of those roasty nutty flavors that um, you you typically get from an English mild, but they putting it with that Cracker Jack really changed the whole experience for me. It um, made you want to drink more because you got that, you know, kind of like when you sit down at a bar and you've got uh, a bowl of peanuts and you sit there and eat them and it just makes you want to drink more and kind of they play off each other. And that's exactly what the Cracker Jack did with this beer. So it was really good. And if you uh, get a chance this week to head down there before they run out because they only brewed one batch of it, um, get down there and try it. It's It's phenomenal, like I said, so... 1957 All-Star Ale from Braxton Brewing. Um, Get down there and try it. All right. Thank you very much, Noam. Uh, uh, What I've got in front of me here is, and I I can't remember if if we've reviewed it on the show or not, if we've talked about it on the show. I know we've talked about it a couple of times, but it happened to be in my beer fridge, and since the... Cincinnati All-Star Experience is all about the handlebar. I'm having a Moorline uh, handlebar double stout. Um, it is, it, it's a little hoppier uh, than your typical stout. Um, uh, we'll talk about later uh, the Fibonacci Toll House, which uh, I also visited Fibonacci yesterday. And that, that, that Fibonacci Toll House is as good an American stout as you'll find. Um, this is a little bit more on the roast. It's got coffee and vanilla, as you might might expect, but just a little bit more bitterness on the back end. Uh, a double stout. Uh, stouts are generally m- milder styles, but this is a, this is a double, and but but it doesn't have that boozy taste that you might expect from a double stout so and since everything's all about the handlebar saw a lot of the cool handlebars downtown uh the handlebar mustaches decorated with various uh, cincinnati reds and all-star game and the team and the team logos of all 30 major league teams so uh and people just love those things people are sitting on them taking pictures with them so it's all about the handlebar and this handlebar stout from this handlebar double double stout from Moreline, uh, I think, is a good selection in the beer from the beer fridge. If you're sitting there on Tuesday night watching the game and uh, rooting for Frazier to uh, go yard, if you will, uh, I think this uh, handlebar stout would be a perfect companion uh, to your all-star viewing pleasure. <laughs> For my next tasting, I'm actually digging into the real beer fridge and tasting it with you. Um, I've got a bottle of Rheingeist Streaker, which is their crowdsourced IPA. Um, According to the bottle, it's 6% ABV, 60 IBUs. Uh, It says, a crowdsourced rye IPA with a lively lively tropical and mango notes from Citro Mosaic Hops and malts chosen by the people. Um, so if you aren't familiar with it, they did a um, like an online um, uh, survey, I guess, of some different ingredients and let everybody vote on them. And the winning ingredients, they made a beer out of them. So, and they also picked the name via another survey. So Streaker won out for the name. Uh, the base malt is American Pale Ale. Specialty malts are uh, Kara Red and Rye Malt. And then the hops, uh, like it says on there, were Citra and Mosaic. So I've heard good things about this so far. I'm kind of excited to uh, to dig into it and see what it actually tastes like. 
So I'm going to pour it here. There's not somebody else to fill the silence. So this is... Um, I'll just let you listen to the beer. So it pours uh, fairly clear, but a nice, um, nice, slightly red, more of kind of like a like a burnt toast color. Um, a big, nice, frothy, off-white head. It, uh, it's a really pretty beer, but um, when I smell it, I definitely get that that tropical aroma. Um, definitely get a lot of the mosaic. I'm not getting. Yeah, I guess I get some of the um, the uh, the citra in there too. Um, this smells really nice. This is mm. all right. I'm gonna try it. Oh, this is fantastic. It's um, you definitely get that that nice rye malt flavor but the finish on this is is oh this is wonderful it definitely comes out with that that big burst of fruit and um maybe a little bit of floral notes too oh it's a shame that this is a uh, a limited beer this is really good this is a perfect summertime beer it definitely begs for me to be sitting outside right now instead of holed up down in the basement at the bar tasting this. This is really good. Um, well done to Ryan Geist for this one. And well done, I guess, to everybody who voted for these ingredients because this is real good. If you aren't actually trying this with me right now, uh, you need to go out to the store and get a couple bottles to stash in your fridge. I picked mine up at uh, at Jungle Gems. I believe it was six ninety nine for a twenty two ounce bomber. So it's nice and affordable and worth every penny. So Rheingeist Streaker um, Rye IPA, crowdsourced. Um, give it a try. This is really good. Thanks. And uh, for my final tasting, uh, it's it's a little tangentially uh, baseball, I suppose, because I, I was, it happened when we routed Mainville uh, after our interview with uh, Dave Volkman. We uh, swung by Cellar Dweller, uh, Valley Vineyards out there uh, in uh, Morrow, Ohio, and uh, we got ourselves a growler of Copperhead. And uh, it's a American IPA. Uh, and what the baseball sort of connotation is, is that uh, my, uh, kind of in, do in honor of uh, my daughter, our social media director here on Cincy Brewcast, Angie Cisneros, she has been attached all star, uh, all this all-star week uh, to Major League Baseball, uh, uh, collecting social media content for them at the Fan Fest, and uh her entree into social media for baseball was her two years of work with the Southern Ohio Copperheads of the Great Lakes College Baseball Association, Woodbat Baseball League. Uh, and the Southern, Southern Ohio Copperheads were there in Athens, Ohio, which is where Angie went to school. And so hence the name of the team, the baseball team, hence the name of the beer. And uh, we'll go to Slug right now. So to speak, you get what I'm saying? 
Well, it's just a wonderful, co- uh, wonderful co- copper color. Uh, it's got the uh, good citrus nose, uh, a great malt taste across the tongue, but not the big hop wallop that you might expect uh, from some of the American uh, pale ales, uh, like one that we're going to discuss a little bit later, which is for Pete's sake from uh, Taft's Ale House. It's a little bit smoother on the back end uh, than some of your uh, typical American pale ales, uh, but very easy drinking, very crisp and clean, which is always important to me. And uh, I just think a good beer uh, to kick back with and watch the Home Run Derby. Uh, on uh, ESPN. It's coming up uh, on Monday night. Uh, this one will uh, will swing for the fences and hit it out every time. So that's uh, Copperhead from Cellar Dweller. Uh, it was fifteen ninety nine for the growler if you bring your own growler, and I think they charge $5 for the glass out there at the Cellar Dweller. So um, but anyway, we thank them, and uh, I just want to make a shout-out. I met Joe Schuster, who is the uh, one of the um, owners and one of the managers out there, and I had a nice talk with him, uh, and, um, and so I just want to give a shout-out to Joe and uh, thank him for uh, his hospitality the other day. Uh, and so that is... From the Beer Fridge. This Week in Beer. And this week in beer, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we traveled out to Mainville, Ohio, where Tina and I spoke with a gentleman by the name of Dave Volkman, who is the owner, a farmer, harvester, uh, man in charge of Ohio Valley Hops. And it's really an interesting concept about... Uh, about hop growing in Ohio, you know, there were, there was, you know, when Ohio and Cincinnati especially was a huge brewing area, huge brewing state. Uh, there were many, many hop farms in Ohio that served the needs of the Ohio brewers. Uh, fungus disease, uh, has sort of driven off the hop, uh, industry from Ohio, uh, back probably even before and of course prohibition did too uh and a lot of that has moved out to the uh, pacific northwest but there is a group of hop farmers called the uh ohio valley the ohio hop growers guild the oh the uh, ohgg and uh we wanted to talk today because they're having a festival coming up a uh, hop open house uh at all of the ohgg farms uh and dave volkman is one of that one of those and uh so we wanted to talk to him about his operation uh his vision for ohio hops and what he hopes to accomplish with uh, his uh about half acre to three quarters of an acre hop farm uh it's interesting you don't need a lot of space to grow hops because hops grow up not out so you have a a, and of course you know i'm probably not telling at least uh even partially interested craft beer drinkers and and people that are interested in the craft beer movement about hops how they're grown or anything like that uh but Dave uh, just has a great uh, operation out there. Uh, a little bit of background on Dave. He's from Loveland, Ohio originally. He actually, since I'm from Loveland, Ohio too, he actually knows a few of the people that I know. Mentioned a few names that I'm like, oh yeah, I know that guy. And I mentioned a name that, oh, I know him, you know. So, uh, and uh, Dave also uh, is a 
veteran of the Ohio uh, Army National Guard. Uh, he is an Iraq War veteran. And a very interesting thing that he uh, mentioned to me was that uh, he helped Iraqi farmers in the uh, notorious, I guess, uh, Abu Ghraib province uh, to rebuild a milk collection facility and also helped a number of individual uh, Iraqi dairy farmers to uh, resume and restore their operations after the damage of the war. So uh, we all owe Dave a terrific debt anyway for his service. And um, so right now uh, we're going to go to the interview that uh, Tina and I conducted out in the beer barn uh, in Mainville, Ohio, uh, with uh, Dave Volkman of Ohio Valley Hops. Hi again, everybody. Mike Cisneros back with you on Cincy Brewcast, and uh, I'm joined by uh, Tina Cisneros. Tina, good afternoon. Ahoy, ahoy. And we are... In Mainville, Ohio, back on the road again. Uh, last week we were in Athens and talking about Ohio Brew Week. This week we are in Mainville, Ohio, and we're talking to David Volkman of Ohio Valley Hops. David, good afternoon. Welcome to Cincy Brewcast. It's good to be here. And uh, I guess one of the first questions, and it's one of the questions we always seem to ask on our program, is uh, tell us how you got interested in craft beer in the first place. Uh, Mike, I, like a lot of kids growing up in Cincinnati, grew up on Little King's Cream Ale. And uh, my dad was a Stroh's drinker, and I might have snuck a few of those when I was, <laughs> was underage. And uh, not, not a bad old beer for the, for the old days. Um, served on active duty in the Army for a number of years. And as such, our, uh, our post liquor store was always well stocked with German beer and Belgian beers. And um, they were awful good back in the day when there wasn't really much of a craft beer movement. And uh, as we come home periodically to visit to the greater Cincinnati area, we uh, saw Oldenburg open up and uh, really enjoyed the old beer hall at Oldenburg and uh, looking at all the beer memorabilia there. I was a beer can collector as a young fella, and uh, my dad was uh, colluded in that one with me. To uh -huh. We'd pick out the cans, and he'd take care of the beer for the most part. And then, um, you know, the rest is history. The, the craft beer movement really got started, and um, I'm never one to turn down trying a new beer and have been diligently working to, to try as much of it as I can. So you're, uh, you, you're also familiar then, I'm sure, with Barrel House and, 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 and some of the uh, earlier, and of course Mount Carmel, uh, I guess the two earliest entries in the Cincinnati craft beer scene. Yeah, I never, I never um, really had a chance to try out Barrel House, but I, I distinctly remember having a Mount Carmel Copper Ale, which, which they renamed uh, Amber at some point when it first came out, and really being blown away by such a great beer being produced right, right here in greater Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, Mount Carmel, you know, re really lays claim to, uh, to um, starting it off here and great brewery. That was when they were still selling it in the growlers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We really, we, we remember that. And of course that's was the beginning and now they're the oldest in, uh, in uh, Cincinnati. Um, tell us about, what it is about hops i mean i understand liking hoppy beer i understand wanting to find all but what what does what is it that makes a man like yourself who you know earlier you told me you were a, a high school teacher by trade uh get interested and get involved in the um in the hop farming industry i like to uh, i like to plant stuff and grow stuff and, and i i mean that on multiple levels I, that's one of the reasons i'm a teacher i like to see see kids grow 
Um, I, I think my greatest accomplishment in life has been being a, a pretty darn good dad, and I got two great kids, and I, I did my best to plant the seeds of, of hard work and, uh, you know, good values there, and that's blossomed real nicely. And I've, I've always had my hands in the dirt. When I was a kid, we, uh, we had a little piece of ground down in Camp Denison that we had a, about an acre garden, and Mom and Dad would drag us down there three, four nights a week. And as soon as I had my own place, I started planting a garden. Back in the 90s, I, I worked uh, quite a bit for a fella lives down the road here, farms about 1,200 acres, and, and spent uh, a number of years working for him when his kids were just a little bit too small to help out, and they're pretty much running the place now. So I've always liked that, and uh, I've always liked tinkering with machinery and building stuff. And so um, I got 12 acres here, and I was wondering kind of what to do with it after I, I first first bought it. I, I live on two, and I bought the 10 acres next door when it became available a number of years back. And um, as I mentioned, I was in the Army Reserve. I, I did a tour in Iraq, and I was working on the renewal of the ag sector in a province and and we had a guy from the u.s department of agriculture there working john ellerman and john is an alumni of the ohio state university's um, extension program used to work at piketon and he uh, he and i did a lot of work to to bring back parts of the ag sector that had been uh, destroyed around the baghdad area out in the abu Ghraib province and, and and john was working extensively on building some farmers co-ops um, I was working on getting some some dairy projects up and running. They're they're sort of the the dairy land of Iraq, and we, we would talk a lot about about stuff. And when he was at Piketon at uh, at Ohio State, he worked on bringing specialty crops to Ohio, and uh, things like meat goats, um, various berries, aquaculture to grow prawns to to raise catfish and stuff, and just things that that provide niche markets. It uh, helps farmers diversify and helps provide opportunities for people with, with small pieces of, of ground. And he didn't talk about hops, had no idea about them, but he, he really got me thinking about a different crop. Uh, I got home in the summer of, of 2011 from, from Iraq, and that winter, uh, a friend of mine in the Air Force got married in the Netherlands. My great-grandfather is from southern Germany, so my daughter and I flew to, to, uh, to Ireland and drink some Guinness and then we flew to the Netherlands and um, went went to the wedding and drank some some good Dutch beer and then we drove down through uh, the town that my great-grandfather was was from down in the Botten Württemberg area and you're starting to get into hop territory there and on our way to Munich we, we stayed overnight at uh, in the in the little town he was from and drank a couple beers there from the local brewery um, on the way into Munich we went through the Hallertau region where we saw all the hop yards and I knew what they were when I saw them and I kind of thought things are really turning around with craft beer back home I wonder so when I got home I started doing some research I found out that there was a there was already the the very beginning of a, a hop industry starting here in the Midwest not not a whole lot in Ohio but starting off and began that research and it, it turns out that that year the same place that John had worked, had got a grant from USDA to explore growing hops in Ohio. And uh, Brad Burgerford, uh, who is uh, in the, the horticulturist from Ohio State that, that's running the, the grant, running the program with a couple of, of great other people helping him out, um, we linked in with, with uh, Brad immediately. 
and uh, the, the rest is kind of history. Uh, the, the two go together. I, I love growing stuff. I love, I love the whole beer culture. Um, it's a great product. It's got great history for Cincinnati. It's just uh, terrific, terrific history here. We're a great beer town, always have been and, and are again. And uh, there you go. All right. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, business itself. Uh, the, as you said, the craft beer industry has grown just so exponentially uh, in the last even just five years. Uh, as we said, it was little old Mount Carmel to begin with. Now there's something like 20 local craft brewers of various scales. Some are the really big, like Ryan Geisen Mad Tree. Some are small, like Fibonacci and Dogberry. But, but um, so are you looking for a local market? Are you looking for brewers that want to do boutique beers? Just tell me a little bit about what kind of, of, and what, tell us what kind of hops you have and, and, and sort of what your hope is for the local uh, hop industry to serve the local brewing industry. Yeah, and you're exactly right. I think you're going to find in Ohio, um, and there are about 50 um, of us right now who are in some some stage of of anywhere from a quarter acre to two to three acres of hops growing right now and it is a business you, you've got to you got to approach this as a business um, when, when, when you're looking into whether you should dive into it there's a lot of capital you have to expend up front there's operating costs every year and uh, my wife and I we researched this for about two years before we put the first hop plant in the ground um, I, I might have kind of clicked in 2011, but we didn't we didn't put anything in the ground for two, for two years because we wanted to make sure that a we were gonna we weren't gonna lose money, b that we could actually make a little bit of money and be worth worth the effort because um, it's uh, it's all fun and everything to grow hops and to drink beer, but I'm I'm not gonna lose my tail on it either, um, <laughs> yes. any any more than a home brewer is gonna to jump in there and become a a nano or micro brewer without knowing that they can make the make a go of this thing. So um, we have targeted specifically um, in, in our business strategy uh, a, a couple of new, smaller breweries whose beers we really like and who we would be um, honored to have our hops in their beers. Um, we, we've, had, we've, we've, we've visited them and they visited us and we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna leave it up to them to make announcements as to who's gonna use our hops. Um, because a we got to harvest first. If I have a hailstorm or a tornado come through there, nobody's using my hops this year. Nature, nature can be pretty brutal on, sure. on you. But uh, counting on everything working out well, we should have our hops in two local breweries this year. We've got a number of friends also growing in um, the greater Cincinnati area, who've also lined up a number of different brewers. And once again, I, I, I hope those brewers will make that a marketing angle and they'll let people know that they've got a beer brewed with local hops and uh, take it from there. As to what we're growing here, um, our first year we started off with, with some hops that are very traditional, um, kind of all purpose. And we know that they're gonna grow in Ohio because of the experience of a few people who are out ahead of us. Uh, we've got Columbus, we've got Cascade, we've got Galena, and we've got Nugget. Um, we, uh, we've had them tested at a professional lab. Our numbers are solid. They are right up there with the industry standards in terms of alpha and beta acids, cohumulone, colupulone. 
Explain. Can let me stop you there and just explain. I know there's a lot of people that are, and I don't want to get too beer geeky because I'm not really a beer geek. I like to drink beer. I like to think about what's in it. But just give us a little idea on what those uh, those are the oils and the acids that give the hop their characteristic flavor. If I'm not mistaken, isn't that correct? Yeah. If if you if you take a hop cone, it looks like a little pine cone. If you've never seen one before. We're, we're going to go out in, in, in the yard here in a few minutes and take a look around and you can give, you know, color commentary on it. Um, it looks like a soft little green pine cone. And when you tear it apart, it's full of small little golden um, sort of bubbles, little nodules, and they are full of the lupulin. And it's a very, very chemically complex uh, little ball of oils. And... Um, I, I read somewhere about 150 different chemical compounds found in that. And every variety of hop is going to be a, a little bit different. Um, just, just like any sort of vegetable or apples, you know, you take apples, some are crisp and some are acidic and some are sweet and some are soft and mushy. Um, hop, hops are very similar to that in that some have got higher alpha acids, which are actually a, a number of different compounds that we collectively call alpha acids that give, uh, that bitter your beer. There's not a lot of flavor there. There's a lot of bittering. Beta acids, much wider range, and that's where you're going to get your aromas, the flavors. That's where you're going to become, you're going to be piney, you're going to be citrusy, you're going to be earthy, woodsy. It's going to taste like mango or melon or, or any of the, the other unbelievable range of flavors that you're going to get in a hop cone. So um, those are really the, the main things that, that um, were getting measured. For the aroma hops, and if you're you're talking um, not so much your your bittering hops, Galena and Columbus, for instance, and, and and to some extent Nugget are really about the bittering. Um, they're they're used by a lot of brewers up front to impart that 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 high IBU. Um, the aroma hops, and and some hops can be used for both. Just add them in later in your in the process, are going to impart more of the aroma. So when you pick up that glass of beer and it's got that that wonderful head on it of, of, of smells and what what caresses your palate those are in the the, the beta acid realm um, there's 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 a number of different things you may have heard of like geraniol or myrcene uh, but there, there are there's many of them a few main ones that people are that brewers are mainly concerned with and so for um, for for hops that are more aroma we also get it tested there to get what's called an oil panel done because, um, you know, to me, uh, a brewer is like a, a fine chef. They're creating something based on their palate, and they need to understand what's going into that. And you can do a hop rub and get that handful of hops there and, you know, breathe deeply of it and get a, a real sense of that um, because of the relationship of our taste and things we smell. But it also helps because, as you well know, a lot of these guys are engineers, who have have <laughs> it's it's an amazing it's amazing to me how many of these how many of our local brewers were engineers they're also doing a lot of of hard science here it's uh they're combining the science and the art of it and so we're we're going to give them the science behind it as well and that's uh that's that's pretty much the standard for what hop growers have got to provide to a brewer so i just want to talk a little bit about um kind of I attended an event at Ohio Brew Week last year that was sort of a the hop, the hop growers symposium, I guess, um, and it was talking about largely how 
um, kind of, it, it was talking basically about the hop shortage and that we need to, that smells fantastic. <laughs> For you not watching, no, we don't have television, but uh, he just uh, got a bag of hops and rolled them in his hand and the, and the scent is just magnificent. Uh, you would be, I wish we had smell a radio because <laughs> it's really terrific. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, but basically this sort of discussion was almost the call to use hops from local local hop farms um, and sort of since craft beer is such a has such a big emphasis on local in general um, I'm kind of wondering how will the smaller hop farms keep up with the demand of the growing craft beer industry I think the simple answer is we won't and we never will and that's okay um, the Pacific Northwest in Germany are always going to dominate they're not worried about us and, and we're not in competition with them. Um, in Ohio right now, with the, the hop farms that have, have joined together as part of the Ohio Hop Growers Guild, we've got uh, about 20,000 hop plants in the ground this year. If they all come out with about a pound of, of hops each dried, you're looking at 10 tons of hops. We, if we put everything together, and that's across 30 different varieties, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of this. Um, I don't know how big it'll get in Ohio. I suspect that it'll continue to grow for a little while. We've, got, uh, we've probably got 10 members who are actual farmers. And when I say actual farmers, I'm talking they're grain crop farmers, farming 800, 1,000, 1,500 acres. They're doing this because it's a way to diversify. They, they, see, uh, they see some monetary potential there and, and uh, have a lot of those same feelings I've got about, about agriculture, about beer, about, about all of the different aspects that, that make craft beer so attractive to so many of us. Um, so we don't, we'll never do that. What we're going to have is a niche market here for brewers. And I, what I would foresee happening is a lot of growers will link up with one or two breweries and we will supply them what we can and they will use what they can of what we've got to uh, to create some some local beers some some one-offs some taproom specialties uh, i've had a lot of discussions with brewers over the last couple of years and and they're they're very upfront they can't use our hops in their flagship beers if if they were to change up the cascades that they were using in one batch and use my cascades, that beer is going to taste different. You, they're not interchangeable because you're going to run into local terroir. Uh, a cascade grown in Mainville, Ohio will not taste like a cascade grown in the Yakima Valley. There's just too many different factors here with weather and soil and growing conditions. So um, there's not any interest in doing that. There's huge interest in some harvest ales, some fresh hop ales in the, in the September time frame. Um, both of the brewers I'm, I'm working with have a great interest in doing that. Uh, then there's also some interest in, you know, drying our, our hops down, pelletizing them, and, and they'll have them for some periodic um, versions. And, you know, I, I've talked to some brewers who said they could see doing their flagship, but doing it for the tap room and saying this is an all-Ohio version of this beer. It's not this, make no mistake about it but it, it's uh, an all-Ohio version. So there's some really, some really cool opportunities. Um, as you pointed out, it, there's, and I, I'm one of them, I would much rather eat local if I can. I, I, I'm not a chain restaurant guy. I'm, I'm not a, a big beer guy. 
Um, I would much rather support my local chef, my local restaurant, my local bar, that uh, some guy who, who like, like me has dove in and said, we're gonna make a go of this and, and, and do this and be part of, of, this, of this scene. Uh, you also have got a freshness component here. Uh, the reality is in the Pacific Northwest, you've got tens of thousands of acres of hops. It's an enormous operation and it's industrial. They're gonna do what they can to process it and it's a great product. I'm not, I'm not dinging it in the least, but you, you smell those hops right there and those have been sitting in my freezer for a few months. That, that just, that'll blow, blow you away right there. Just uh, So many different so many different aromas too that really kind of blew me you can't even sit there and really pick it apart it's it's so it's it's so fragrant so um well and then kind of you know kind of going back to what you were saying about um sort of smaller scale what is the interest you have if any in um sort of using your hops for you know to distribute to home brewers for people who have you know who require less at a time um any interest in that as well Mm -hmm. Two, two schools of thought on that. One is that, um, and, and I, I know a couple guys growing who intend to market almost exclusively to home brewers. And uh, the home brewers I know will tell you in a minute that they're at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to hops. Because when it comes to contracting hundreds of thousands of ton of hops, AB InBev, Miller Coors, they, they get first dibs because of that. And then comes your big craft brewers, Sam Adams, they're buying tons. And then your Great Lakes, your, your Rheingeist, your Moorlines, Founders, Stones, Rose, yeah. Victory, they, they, they end up pulling in enormous amounts too. And the further down you get um, in size and, and buying capacity, you know, it's, it's Walmart versus your local five and dime, and Walmart wins. So the, a lot of homebrewers have interest. Um, in fact, we've got a, a local homebrew club coming out here first week of August for their, their monthly meeting to, to walk through the hop yard. Uh, I got some other friends who've been, some friends of mine up in Lorain, Ohio. They presented last night at, at a Northern Ohio homebrew club talking about local hops. So there's a real market there too. And, and I'm, I'm not gonna say that I'm not going to, I, I would love to, but my priority personally is my, my, my two brewers who I'm already working with to take care of their needs. And then after that, what I've got, I, I will certainly make available to them. And again, any desire to mention who these two <laughs> brewers might be? We'd love to break news on uh, Cincy Brewcast. I don't know if you're uh, at liberty to speak or not. I have, I have not talked to them about, uh, about whether or not I could say anything, but I'm going to let discretion be the better part of valor here. And when they're, when they're ready to say they're, they're uh, putting a beer on tap with local hops, I'm going to let them do it. I will say that they're they're both very savvy when it comes to marketing, and uh, I'm sure they will they will do a great job of of letting that news come out. All right, uh, we will get back to part two of our interview with uh, Ohio Valley hops grower, farmer, owner. David Volkman, uh, in just a few moments. But uh, right now, as I mentioned earlier, it's All-Star Week in Cincinnati, and some people might be sick of it, but I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge Reds fan, and uh, really I can't get enough of it. And again, uh, downtown uh, 
was just really electric and amazing uh, when I went down there uh, on Sunday uh, for the Futures game and a great crowd down there despite the iffy weather. Although while I was down there, it actually turned out to be pretty nice. The sun came out. There was a nice little breeze. Uh, it, a few drops of rain here and there, but uh, I digress. We felt it was important for us at Cincy Brewcast to acknowledge the existence of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game coming to Cincinnati by picking a Cincinnati versus Major League Baseball All-Star beer team. Now, there have been a couple of these kind of put together by uh, the Brew Studs, for instance, and uh, Christian Moorline actually went ahead and picked a major league lineup of uh craft beer eh maybe not craft beer you might be able to, and you can check that out uh online uh if you like their their beer list you can go to their um you can go to their website and find that information um if the, if we were all here in studio and we were all <laughs> together we would definitely be knocking that one around a little bit uh as far as their choices are concerned but uh we picked nine uh, from various major league cities, and we picked nine Cincinnati, and for, for the teams that are on the uh, for the number of players that are on the field. So uh, I'm going to let uh, Gnome go first. He picked uh, four Cincinnati beers and three from uh, major league, and we're going to do the visitors first. So uh, here is uh, the gnarly Gnome's first pick for his major league all star craft beer team. My first pick for the out-of-state All-Stars is in honor of the Detroit Tigers. Um, we were up in Detroit a while back, um, and we stopped at the Motor City Brewing Company, which was this wonderful little tap room with a big concrete bar and some delicious pizza and um, just perfect little tap room, one of the first tap rooms that I can remember going to. Um, and they had a beer called Ghetto Blaster, which was an English mild which is a style that I absolutely love. Um, nice, easy drinking, but still really full-flavored, which um, there needs to be way more of in this world. Um, so that's my first pick um, for Motor City Brewing Company, Ghetto Blaster. And my first pick from, uh, hi, uh, from excuse me, from um, Great Lakes, from Cleveland, representing the Cleveland Indians, how can you not pick Great Lakes? And how can you not pick Great Lakes' Eddie Fitz, Ed, Ed, Edmund Fitzgerald Porter, one of the great porters in the nation, uh, has been a real introduction to dark beers for so many craft beer drinkers out there, uh, and just a terrific beer. So representing the Indians is uh, Great Lakes' Edmund Fitzgerald. Tina turned in some picks of hers as well, and she mentioned that she would like for uh, to represent the Tampa Bay Rays uh, from Cigar City uh, Brewing Company in Tampa, uh, the Highlight IPA. And if you if, if you're a craft beer drinker and you haven't had Highlight IPA yet, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, it is one of the most dank, delicious, mind blowing. IPAs you'll ever have it's easily got to be 
in it, just about anybody in everybody's top 50 uh, in IPAs uh, in the country. So, uh, so, so far we've got uh, Motor City Brewing Ghetto Blaster. Um, we've got uh, Eddie Fitzgerald uh, Porter from Great Lakes in Cleveland representing the Indians and representing Tampa Bay uh, Cigar City Highlight IPA. Here's Gnome's uh, next pick. My next pick for the out-of-state beer all-stars is for St. Louis and the Cardinals um, from Schlafly Brewing Company, their coffee stout, which the biggest thing for me when I went to Schlafly for the first time was that it wasn't Budweiser. We were in St. Louis. We had a friend that went to school up there. And, uh, of course, when you're in St. Louis, you have to take the board, the tour of the Budweiser plant, which is always really fun. It's neat. It's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory for grown-ups. But then to go back that night and to crack open a delicious craft beer, I think that there are very few things that can um, bring you back to understanding why we drink craft beer. Um, so their coffee stout, 5.7%. Delicious, dark, roasty, everything you want in a coffee stout. So Schlafly's Coffee Stout is my next pick. And back here in the studio, uh, we have another pick from Tina. And she really likes, she's kind of, she really likes staying in the state of Missouri, uh, representing the Kansas City Royals. She is crazy about the Boulevard Tank 7 Farmhouse Ale. And uh, if, you haven't tried that. If you're a craft beer drinker, you haven't tried that one. You are really missing the boat. Even if you're a person that does not like farmhouse sales or that or that sort of style, the Boulevard just really has a lot of those those great. It it, it it's 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 a little similar to a Hefeweizen. It's got the banana esters. It's got the really uh, strong yeast flavor. Uh, but anybody that likes just a light, easy drinking, you know, smooth beer. Uh, I think would really uh, enjoy the uh, Boulevard Tank 7 Farmhouse Sale. And then my next pick, again, going to a very similar beer, um, representing the Philadelphia Phillies uh, from Trogues Brewing in Hershey, PA, which I, is, is relatively close to uh, Philadelphia, is uh, their Dreamweaver uh, Hefeweizen. And uh, uh, it is a favorite of Mrs. Brewcast, uh, and it really has become a favorite of mine. I'm not a huge Hefeweizen fan, but uh, I think for my money or just about anybody's money, uh, one of the best ones out there is the uh, Trogues Dreamweaver. So uh, in this round of picks, we've got the uh, Schlafly Coffee Stout representing the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, we've got the uh, Boulevard Tank 7 Farmhouse Ale representing the uh, Missouri Axis with the Kansas City Royals. And the Trogues Dreamweaver uh, Hefeweizen uh, representing uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, now Gnome's final pick right here. Next pick for me is for the Chicago Cubs. Um, Revolution's Jukebox Hero was, I think, one of the first black IPAs that I had that I really said, wow, this is a, this is a good, well-rounded beer. Um, when I first had black IPAs, I thought it was you know kind of gimmicky and fun, but there was nothing that was jumping out at me to say that this is, this is a beer that I would pick up over other beers. So when I first had Jukebox Hero... Um, it did that for me. It was um, perfectly well-rounded, still 
big full bodied flavors, but um, just really well done. So revolution in Chicago jukebox hero. And back here in the studio, uh, Tina has decided to pick uh, representing the Houston Astros, the St. Arnold Brewing Winter Stout. We were uh, fortunate enough uh, last year at a bottle share we had here at the Cincy Brewcast Studios with some of our friends uh, to be able to enjoy uh, a St. Arnold Winter Stout. And uh, it's, again, everything you would want to have in a winter stout. Spicy, cinnamony, with a little bit of a, 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 a roasted caramel, fla- a roasted caramel malt flavor, uh, a little bit of, of there's it's not barrel age, but there's a little bit of that oak vanilla vanilla oak ester in that thing, so uh, that's that's a that's a terrific beer, and and uh, people in in Houston are fortunate because I understand that uh, while that's the only one that we've had from uh, St Arnold, I, we understand that they are t- that's a terrific brewery down there in Houston. So and. For me, uh, my final pick is going to be representing the San Diego Padres. It's uh, Stone Ruination IPA, uh, one of the one of the gold standard as far as uh, Imperial uh, uh, India Pale Ales, rather. Um, and I do believe it's an it's an Imperial as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Stone Ruination, uh, just terrific. Uh, again. Anybody and everybody that drinks craft beer uh, knows the stone name and often demands uh, stone ruination. So uh, our last pick, our last picks were uh, Gnome uh, representing the Chicago Cubs, uh, Revolution Jukebox Hero, uh, Tina uh, uh, representing uh, the Houston Astros, St. Arnold Winter Stout, and yours truly uh, representing the San Diego Padres, the Stone Ruination IPA. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We are going to pick the National League, not the National League, but the Cincinnati Craft Beer uh, entries that are going to go against this this very, very formidable uh, all-star team uh, that we've selected here on Cincy Brewcast uh, from various major league cities. We want to let you know that uh, both the major league picks and the Cincinnati picks, we'll list them on the website, www.cincybrewcast.com. You can also uh, get, and of course you can also follow us at Cincy Brewcast on uh, on Twitter, uh, Cincy Brewcast on Facebook, at Cincy Brewcast on Instagram, definitely follow us on untapped we are cincy brewcast uh just send us a request we'll get back to you as soon as we can and uh but right now uh we're going to uh wait to pick the cincinnati team uh till later in the show but right now we're going to get back to the second part of our interview with uh, david volkman of ohio valley hops and he's going to tell us a lot more about what's happening on his hop farm, excuse me, and also about the uh, Ohio Hop Growers Guild uh, open house that is taking place on July 25th, Saturday, July 25th, uh, from, I believe it's 10 to 3 p.m., but uh, a little bit later in the interview, uh, he comes back and says that he kind of come out at any time. So, uh, but 10 to 3 p.m. for sure is that time, uh, I do believe. And uh, so here's part two of our interview with uh, Dave Voltman of Ohio Valley Hops, Right here on Cincy Brewcast. 
obviously over the last several years has cropped up a supply problem of hops throughout the industry. Uh, a question I got from uh, blogger Pat's Pints, uh, he's in the northern areas in central Ohio, rather the Columbus area. Uh, he wanted me to ask you, what was the difficulty in obtaining the rhizomes for your original planting, and what is the what is the difficulty of obtaining the rhizomes, especially of the of the of the most popular hops, the most popular varieties that brewers want to use? Yeah, I actually didn't plant rhizomes. I, I planted uh, plants. Uh, my supplier is out of Zeeland, Michigan. Uh, his name's Lynn Kim. He runs an outfit called Great Lakes Hops. He sells hundreds of thousands, if not millions of plants every year. Michigan, you probably know, has got three, 400 acres of hops in right now. Ohio, we're hanging back there. I think we're about 50 to 60 acres right now. Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, Illinois, there's a lot of, of this happening. Uh, New York, and, and New York's got some very favorable legislation to encourage it there, and they're, they're a leader in the local hops movement as well. Um, so getting them is really not hard. He is a propagator by trade. He's not a hop grower per se. He's a propagator. Before he did hops, he was doing tulips and daffodils. He's been in business for, for 30 years. And he, he, uh, he went hops about eight years ago to add to his line, and he's doing a major expansion. Um, get a fully rooted plant. Um, it, it puts you at least a year ahead of putting in a rhizome in terms of growth and healthy, healthy stuff. They're phytosanitary, they're virus indexed. What I'm saying is you're getting a, a quality, clean plant here and not important anything else in. One of the concerns a number of us have is there are people on the internet that you can buy rhizomes from who are not necessarily propagators or horticulturists and you could be importing all sorts of stuff into Ohio. You could be bringing in viruses, uh, various types of mildew and, and I, I'm going to go with a guy who is a horticulturist who's doing the right thing. He's part of a thing called the Clean Plant Health Network. You know you're getting a good product. So um, he has run out of a couple varieties if you don't get in early enough. Um, Centennial has been really hot, and we're putting in 200 Centennial this fall for next year's expansion. And he's, he's out of it right now. He's propagating, he, uh, and, and hops are a voracious wild plant and it's not hard to propagate them you can propagate by taking root cuttings rhizomes or you can you can take green cuttings a little bit of root hormone and into some potting soil and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna take off so um, so I haven't had a problem one thing that a, a lot of people have asked us about is what about Simcoe what about Amarillo what about Citra which many of you listening know are proprietary hops. Not gonna get them. They're patented, they're under tight control. If you do have them, uh, you're wrong. You're, 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 you're violating the law because you- That means if you're, if you're growing them, in other words. That's correct, yeah. If you're, if you're growing that in your backyard, I don't know how you got that, but you, <laughs> but you shouldn't be. You, you should not be. You shouldn't be growing that unless you're best friends or something with the, with the farm that owns the patent on them. So we're not growing those. Um, flip side of that is, I'm a huge believer in, once again, going back to brewers are sh chefs. Mm -hmm. They can take the, the flavors in front of them and do amazing things. Uh, one of my favorite brewers here in Cincinnati is, is Scott LaFollette at Blank Slate. I, I think that he does amazing stuff. Um, he, he is at the top of, of, of the pile in Cincinnati. 
and some of his best beers, you'll find nothing in it but the classic hops. And uh, Cluster, Cascade, Columbus, um, Nugget, and he doesn't use a whole lot of the proprietary hops in, in his beers. And I, I think it shows that you don't have to have those. Part of that is the problem are, are craft beer drinkers. We're always looking for the next big thing and the next new flavor. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot to be done out there with classic flavors and how you blend them and how you mix them in, 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 the, in the brew kettle. Uh, I, you know, I made the analogy to somebody that that you were going to be like a hop truck farmer. You know, how you have a truck farmer that'll supply local organic carrots, tomatoes, you know, and all sorts of vegetables and things like that to, you know, really trendy, really on the on point chefs. And that sounds to me like what you'd like to do with uh, some of the brewers in town. Uh, that's a great analogy. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. I got an email the other day from a, a um, and I don't know what the right term for it is, but uh, a fancy coffee house. And they were interested in some hops to try to make a hopped coffee blend, which I don't know how that would work out. I'd be willing to try it. But again, you got people with very creative palates doing things with the flavors that are out there in front of them. But good analogy. Uh, tell us a little bit. One of the reasons we're here is to help you promote the uh, uh, Ohio Hop Growers Guild Open House, which takes place on July 25th uh, of uh, this year. And uh, it seems like a very interesting sort of thing that you're trying to get people to get involved in growing hops. Yeah, the, um, the Ohio State has got, had two initial uh, research farms, one in Piketon, one in Wooster, and they're quarter acre yards. And for the last three years, they've been having a, a first Friday hop night where you could come walk through, talk to the growers and ask them questions. And then in the summertime at each of them, they've also been doing a field night, a little bit more extensive. They've also put on uh, two conferences up in Wooster in February uh, to, to help kind of kickstart the hop industry here in Ohio. As that has progressed, a number of us got together and formed a uh, guild of growers. And as I said, we've got, a, we've got about 50 member farms right now, another 15 or so associate members who may or may not make the leap, but they wanna uh, work with us. At some point, Ohio State's grant will run out and we'll be on our own. That's the natural course of things and how it should be. And we're all relatively new at this. And so we're, we're putting our minds together. We're putting our buying power together. We're putting our marketing together. And, and out of this, there's a lot of interest as people start the process to get out there and see somebody else's farm, mm -hmm. whether they've been doing it for three or four or five, six years, whether they haven't put anything in the ground yet, but to go talk to people. I, I will tell you that if you've done this for one year, um, it's a steep learning curve about bugs and, and funguses and fertility and processing. There's, there, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting process and there's a lot to it and you learn a lot. You're drinking out of a fire hose. So we're trying, <laughs> we're trying as a group to, to help people keep from having to do it quite as badly as, as those of us who kind of launched out there with the support of Ohio State and each other. But now that we've got two, three years under our belt, 
we feel prepared to talk to other growers. So we, we're aiming this mainly at potential growers who are thinking about this. Ohio State is still putting on these nights and, and every time they do a night, they're getting a couple dozen, couple hundred people coming out who are interested. Here, here in Mainville, I've had no less than 15 people contact me because they, they saw something in the paper, they saw my website, they were Googling, they talked to Ohio State, he pointed them to me. Um, just come out here with a tour. And so what we're trying to do is, it'll be right before harvest, the hop yard will be at, its, at the height of its glory. Come on down, um, we'll be open here from 10 to three. Uh, most, most of the farms will be open at, at least 10 to two, maybe a little bit longer. We, we're, we're saying at a minimum 10 to two. Um, if you're interested in, in coming out, uh, go to www.ohgg.org. That's Ohio Hop Growers Guild, OHGG. You don't have to write the whole thing out, www.ohgg.org. And you'll see on there a link to a flyer. You can pop it open. You'll see where the 10 yards are around the state. Um, mainly for Cincinnati growers here, I'll tell you that we've, uh, we've, we've got um, mine here in Mainville. We've, we've got uh, two up around the Jamestown Xenia area, which is not that far up 71. Got another nice farm up in New, New Carlisle, north of Dayton. Um, and then there's others around the state, several up around Cleveland, um, one up around Fort Recovery. Got uh, some uh, south, south of Columbus in the uh, Hillsborough area. So a lot of opportunities there to see different people, how they did it. You know, everybody's got to do it on their own eventually. And how you design your trellis system, how you take care of fertility. Basically, we want anybody thinking about this to, uh, to be able to come out and ask, ask questions to your heart's content. Um, we're easy to find here. We're, we're right on State Route 48 in Mainville, just outside of downtown Mainville. And uh, lo love to see people out here. And uh, don't have to be a grower, don't have to be a potential grower. Um, we, we wouldn't mind seeing some brewers out here too. And even if, even if I'm already um, kind of promised mine out for the year, it, it doesn't hurt. I can tell you about others, and I'd be happy to hook other brewers up with any of our 50 growers around the state. Um, different people are growing different things. Different brewers are looking for different hops. And, and uh, one of the things about our guild that, that we're all very, very happy about is we understand we're not competing any more than the local brewers are competing with each other. It's a, it's a very uh, collaborative group. We're in this together, and we're, we're looking forward to building this together. We, we work well together and help each other out. And it's, it's modeled very much after how the craft brewers are working. Well, we want to go out in the fields uh, at least for a few minutes and take a look at the plants and get an idea of just exactly what the scale is here. But maybe for my last question, I'd like to ask you to kind of run us through the process. In other words, uh, I, I guess you mentioned that the, your planting season is not in the spring, it's in the fall. You can plant either spring or fall, but, but like a lot of plants, you're much better off with a fall planting. That plant will continue to develop its root system throughout the fall, even in, in the winter, through the spring, uh, before it comes up. And, and you got to imagine that to support an 18-foot tall vine loaded with you know, leaves and cones, it's got a heck of a root system. I, I've seen pictures that people have dug up. And you're talking tap roots that are going down. Um, it, it's a it's a octopus down there of big tap roots that are going deep down to to suck up nutrients. 
Um, it also has a, a very fibrous fine root mat on the surface that it regenerates every year to suck up surface moisture and stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's an unbelievable plant. So fall tends to be uh, when, when people try to get their, their plants in. You can do spring, I've done both. Um, and, and I think that the fall is preferable. Um, in, in terms of the process, you've got to um, kind of identify up front what varieties do you want to grow. You, you need to do a little bit of thinking and talking to brewers about what's desirable. If you're going to grow a hop that nobody's really interested in, well, good luck with that. But um, do a little bit of that. You've got to design your trellis system. And when we get out there, you'll, you'll see what I mean. And you've got to do materials acquisition. You're probably talking for a, a one acre yard, probably about $12,000 worth of raw materials, mainly in cables, steel cabling, uh, the, the wooden poles that go up. You could, some people do locust trees, some people do uh, various other kinds of, of durable type of, of natural stuff, cedar, and there, there's some northern pine varieties that work well. Uh, some people do pressure treated. I, I know some people who've used recycled utility poles, what, whatever I guess you can get your hands on at the price that you're willing to, to deal with. The plants, um, you've also got to simultaneously be looking at nutrition. Hops are very hungry and they use a lot of nutrients in a year. There's a lot of vegetation there. So you, you need to test your soil. You need to amend it to get it up to where the hops are going to be. Um, and I've read that that's a process that you really have to do way before you plant because sometimes it, it takes a while for those nutrients to get into the soil and really incorporate properly. Yeah, and, and that kind of depends on how you're amending it. There are things that are really long-term. There are things that are shorter-term. And there's, there's things that are, that are very immediate in terms of fertilizers. You could plant hops in anything, and I think they would probably grow. Uh, but you would have to fertilize the heck out of them if your soil's poor. Um, I, I, I've got pretty good soil to start off with, and I, uh, I like to use as natural as I can. I, I start off with um, composted chicken manure, which is a hot, good source of fertilizer. And um, I'm also a fan of, of green manure. I, I like to plant a cover crop and till it under to help with nutrients. And I, I do hit it with, with various fertilizers during the year. One of the things, hops is very sensitive to a couple of micronutrients. Um, boron is one of them, and zinc is another, and magnesium is another, and my soil is lacking on all three of those. And um, you have to be careful because it's one of those things that you ease up slowly and carefully because if you go too much, they can become toxic to, to the plant. So I, I've kind of elected to, to use a micronutrient spray a foliar spray mm -hmm. which are available tend to be made out of a number of different um, things like kelp and fish emulsion and stuff and you basically just spray it on the leaves and they suck it in a lot like people use miracle grow and it's uh it, it, and it, it creates a lush forest of of hop vines out there and then they get mature in again the fall so if you plant in the fall about and they do come back right they are perennial plants but they come back but if you plant in the fall they'll be ready in the fall basically is that correct and then there's a very very narrow uh harvest time and the handling of them is very important and i guess are you going to hand harvest here and if you do how long does that take uh for an acre of uh of of, of hops yeah the the uh the the hops come up in late March, early April. Ours this year, we had 
first growth on March 27th. Um, you, with second year and beyond plants, you, you have to cut them back down to the ground at some point in mid to late April for, for a number of different reasons. The first ones that come up aren't necessarily the healthiest ones. They, they, you also want to even everything out because some plants will come up this day and others are coming up two weeks later. In order to facilitate and even harvest, you want to do that. So we cut everything back about April 15th of this year. By May 15th, we were training binds. It was a really hot May. We actually started getting burrs, the, the blossoms, towards the end of May, a little bit early. Uh, I don't think it's hurt us any on yield, uh, but, but time will tell here when it comes to harvest. Um, we are loaded with cones right now, and I'm anticipating that we will probably be looking at a pound and a half on our Columbus to two pounds on our Cascade. Nugget is looking a little slimmer this year. Galena, probably about a pound. I, I may, Nugget, I, I may be lucky if I get a pound per, per plant dry weight off of that. Each of them matures at a slightly different time. Um, and and I, 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 one of the considerations that goes into what I'm planning is I don't want everything come and do at the same time because it, it, um, last year we harvested by hand. It's brutal. They're, they're a, a wicked weed, as the saying goes, because they got very fine little hooks on them to help them climb. And when you are picking, you just, you look like you've been in a cat fight when you're done. We, we, uh, we elected to buy a harvester this year. I'm gonna pick it up here at the end of the month. It's, uh, it's being built by a, 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 a machine shop up in Bath, New York. This, uh, this fella, Pat Comerford, is, is uh, building a machine he calls the Wolverine Air One. And it's, it, uh, hopefully that Wolverine will, will eat these things alive. We, we've uh, talked to a few people who've purchased from him. It does a clean job, it's very efficient, it, it's very effective, runs through about 60 binds an hour. So, you know, when, when you're looking at an acre of hops, and, and I'm not there yet, I'll be there in about two years, I'm about a half acre right now, you're looking at about 1,200 to 1,500 hop binds. So a harvest, if everything came due at the same time, you'd be running hard for, for a week. Um, we're, we're working out a deal. Not everybody needs a harvester with the small scale we are here in Ohio. So uh, I've got a number of hop growing friends who, who we're going we're gonna to either work out a deal, they've got some other equipment I need, or we're going to rent it out to them to, uh, to help, help pay, pay for it. But uh, there, there's a number of guys manufacturing these around the country. Um, the gold standard is a German machine called a Wolf Harvester, which is what the really big guys use which is uh, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. If you've never seen one, get on YouTube and look up Wolf Hop Harvester. It's amazing what that machine will do. This is doing that on a much smaller scale. But uh, we'll, we'll, we're looking at probably even starting harvest at the end of July this year with Columbus. The, the Columbus is, uh, it's not quite there yet. The lupulin's coming on. They got a way to go before they're dry enough. You're, you're really waiting for them to get to a point where it's a, a, a very light, papery little cone, and even then you've got to dry it down. Um, here in this room where we are right now, you will see in, a, in about two weeks my dryer. I haven't brought it over yet. It's in, it's in storage, um, which is uh, essentially a, a big unit, and, and I've, got, I've got plastic harvesting baskets which nest inside of it. 
about four foot by eight foot, and there's a fan unit underneath it pulling a lot of pressure to suck air through the hops. We, uh, we, we warm this room up to get it to about 100, 110 degrees in here to help facilitate the drying. And then um, I'll, I've got a friend, my, my, my hop grower friend in New Carlisle, he's got a pellet mill. And so those that we're gonna pelletize, we'll run them up there and pelletize them. Um, we've got a vacuum packer, nitrogen flush them, vacuum pack them, throw them in the freezer. Or for the brewers who want fresh hop, whatever quantity they want fresh, I, we will literally pick it and drive it down to their breweries and um, they'll be waiting to dump it on into the kettle and we'll have a fresh hop ale to, to, to drink within a couple days. Man, that's really cool. That sounds really exciting. I'm sure we'll be able to find out at some point who's going to be using your fresh hops in their fall specialty beers uh, and uh, that's terrific. Listen, we're gonna take a break. Uh, we've been hearing a little bit of the rain hitting the tin roof on the beer barn here at uh, Ohio Valley Hops. Uh, we're with Dave Volkman along with uh, Tina Cisneros. And uh, we'll be right back uh, after this word. You're w- listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. You know, it may be summer, but that just means it's the right time to start thinking about the uniform needs for your fall and winter sports teams. Whether it's some new embroidered gear bags for your Junior Olympics Volleyball Club, new silk-screened warm-up hoodies for your fall baseball team, or a completely new look for your men's or women's basketball team, ECG can work with you to capture your team's unique style. From retro to totally modern, Eastgate Custom Graphics, team design experts can help you to stand out on the field or court. And with great brands like Nike, Port Authority, Hanes, and more, ECG has the names your players want to wear. It's not too early to think about back to school either, and ECG has all your spirit wear needs covered. We have gear from Turpin, Anderson, Glen Esty, and all the schools over here on the east side, and if you don't see it, just ask, and Eastgate Custom Graphics will design it for you. Eastgate Custom Graphics is located at 4455 Mount Carmel Tabasco Road, right next to St. Veronica Church. Talk to Don Hall or any of the other fine folks at ECG at 513-528-7944 or visit www.ecgraphicswithanx.com and customize your look today. Eastgate Custom Graphics, the official printing and apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast. And we're back here on Cincy Brewcast. Uh, and um, once again, we'd like to uh, thank David Volkman uh, from Ohio Valley Hops uh, for joining us on the program this week. And next week, we do, as promised, go out to the hop yard. We have about another 15-minute interview with David where we were standing out in the hop yard and also riding over to the hop yard on his uh, John Deere uh, tractor. And we will be uh, inserting that into our show next week, which we're going to be recording on Sunday, July 19th. Uh, and, of course, that'll give him a little bit more push toward the Ohio uh, Hop Growers Guild open house, which takes place on the 25th of July, as you heard him say, from 10 to 3 in the afternoon there at Ohio Valley Hops on Route 48 in Mainville. And I want to also mention the July 19th show because we are very excited. We are going to be doing our first food show 
on Cincy Brewcast when Anthony from Cincy Beer Brats is going to come here. We're going to take the show outdoors onto the Cincy Brewcast Plaza. We are going to fire up the Weber, and we are going to cook some of these fantastic Cincy Beer Brats brought to us uh, by Anthony. We're going to talk brats. We're going to talk beer. We're going to talk other kinds of food and other kinds of uh, and other things around your mid and late summer barbecuing and craft beer drinking needs so uh, once again ohio beer brats is going to be joining us uh, and we're so happy that they got in touch with us and uh, we're so uh, pleased and proud to be able to uh, do a show with uh, cincy beer brats you've seen them around at the various tap rooms uh in fact today uh uh, this uh, all-star weekend here uh the 11th and 12th they uh, did a um a collaboration with uh, catch a fire pizza and mad tree uh over at the uh, mad tree brewery uh and i'm sure the people were are just knocked out by the cincy beer brought so anyway we have this cincy craft all-star team now that we'd like to select uh, we already went through the uh, major league baseball representatives representatives from uh, the detroit tigers motor city brewing company uh the st louis cardinals schlafly uh chicago cubs revolution uh tampa rays cigar city uh we also had the uh, kansas city royals represented by boulevard the cleveland indians of course represented by great lakes uh the san diego padres represented by stone and the philadelphia phillies uh represented by trogues brewing in hershey pa and now we're going to let gnome have the first word on his first pick for the cincy craft all-star team right here on cincy brewcast if you're talking about a local all-star in Cincinnati beer, I don't think you can do that without mentioning Rheingeist Truth. Um, Rheingeist, when they launched, this was one of those first beers they launched with and really said, this is who we are as a brewery. We like big West Coast style IPA flavors without it being a huge beer that you can't sit and drink all day. So Truth fit into that perfectly and... It is still one of the best IPAs that you can get around town. Um, so you can't talk Cincinnati without mentioning it. Tina threw in her um, pick, so to speak, for the uh, Cincy Craft Beer All-Star Team. And she picked Triple Digit Chacao. And when we had our show at Listerman, we talked a lot about uh, Triple Digit Chacao. And it, it really, in a sense, has almost become a kind of a dark lord of Cincinnati brewing. It takes on so many characteristics. They get it to taste like so many different things, uncannily sometimes. Uh, and I think it's just a real linchpin of uh, Cincinnati craft brewing, which is pretty amazing for what generally would be a somewhat humble hazelnut brown ale. Uh, but what they've been able to do with it, the anticipation they've been able to put around it, uh, really, really makes it an all-star of Cincy Craft Beer. My pick, and the tie-in here is absolutely amazing, is the Taft's Alehouse for Pete's Sake APA. It's just a big, balmy powerful uh what i wanted to say about it um 
in a beer tasting sense was uh, it's uh, smooth like a slick fielding second baseman, uh, but it'll knock it off the wall like a power hitting uh, like a like a power hitting right fielder um, with uh, some 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 real strength as far as the uh, ABV is concerned. Uh, but it has just a, a, a fantastically citrusy and slightly dank flavor uh, that I think anybody and everybody would love and of course the baseball tie-in with for pete's sake meaning for pete's sake let's get pete in the hall of fame or at least restored to the game of baseball in some capacity no one's saying he should ever manage a team again or be the general manager or anything like that but certainly as an ambassador of the game and an ambassador for the cincinnati reds and for uh, cincinnati baseball in general i don't think anybody could or would beat uh, Pete Rose. Uh, let's uh, hear from the gnome now once again and uh, get his next pick. Mount Carmel for a while kind of fit into this conservative category where they were creating a lot of really good beers that nobody talked about. Um, that started to change when they came out with their Snapshot series. And to me, one of the biggest standouts of that series so far has been the Coffee Brown um, it took coffee and put it into a beer in a way that I don't think a lot of people were doing before that around town here. It, it, coffee was the star, um, and I, I love that. I love the different approach to a coffee beer. I don't always need a coffee stout or something like that. So um, coffee brown for Mount Carmel is definitely Cincinnati through and through to me. All right, Noam, thank you very much. And uh, our next pick is going to come to us from uh, Tina. And Tina really likes the Urban Artifact uh, Finn Berliner Pale Ale. Uh, she's crazy about all of their beers. Uh, she's a huge proponent of the sour beers. But the one that's most approachable to her mind and the one that will get people to think about the more sour styles like their own Harrow and the Louisa, the, the Louisa rather that just came out from uh, Taft's Ale House is to start with the Finn. And uh, I've had it too. I think it's terrific. We tasted it here on the show uh, several weeks back. Uh, you can check that out at our website, www.cincybrewcast.com. The RSS feed is on the front page with all of our previous episodes. Uh, don't forget also, you can find us on iTunes and you can find us on Stitcher. And also you can visit SoundCloud and subscribe to Cincy Brewcast feed through SoundCloud. So anyway, but anyway, the uh, Urban Artifact Finn, the one that I like, and again, back-to-back entries from two uh brand new Cincinnati craft brewers and and that's the to me the Braxton dead blow it's a it's the tropical stout it's just really really it it it's it's not super dry like a Guinness but but very close to that but it's just got a, a a clean refreshing taste and you can understand why they call it a tropical stout because it's very drinkable it's not what you would call most people say oh, i don't like dark beers they're real heavy this is not a very it's not a heavy beer at all it's really uh, flavorful uh it 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 takes on a different yeah you, you have it in the nitro characteristic and all, you also have it in the carbo uh it, it has different characteristics uh, it takes on with each uh uh 
gas with which it's uh, dispensed. I prefer the carbonate, carbonated. Uh, I, I just think it gives a little bit more snap, a little bit more um, pizzazz, if you will. But uh, anyway, that's my next pick. So, so far, we've got Rheingeist Truth. Uh, we've got Mount Carmel uh, 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 Coffee. We've got the uh, triple-digit Chacal, uh, the Urban Artifact Finn, and the uh, Braxton Dead Blow. Uh, now here's uh, Gnome's next entry. My next pick is from Fibonacci Brewing Company, which just opened up this last weekend in Mount Healthy. They're making a beer called the Toll House, which is an American stout and a fantastic example of an American stout. Um, I think you need to include it in Cincinnati's All-Stars of Beer because the concept of a nano brewery is new to the city, but definitely something that is going to represent what we are as a beer city in the next, um, in the next couple years, I guess. They um, are able to focus on their neighborhood, and I think with Cincinnati being a city of neighborhoods, you can't you can't talk about Cincinnati without including that. So, Fibonacci's "The Toll House," which is an American stout, is my next pick. And for my last pick, um, and we're going to go through the last two picks are going to be probably from the other we talked Ryan Geist first. The other two behemoths, behemoths, if you will, of Cincy Craft Brewing, the two sultan, the other two sultans of SWAT of Cincinnati Craft Brewing, if you will, uh, are uh, Mordline Lager House and uh, Mad Tree. And for my last pick, uh, and we're going to let the gnome have the last word on that on this. Uh, but, but for my last pick is as probably as close to a go-to beer. Uh, in in the Cincinnati Craft Brewing that I have, and that's the Moorline Lager House uh, Northern Liberties IPA. I get it every time I go, no matter what other beers that they have on tap, what other beers, uh, whether they brewed them or whether it's some of their guest beers that I want to try, I get at least one Northern Liberties IPA. It was the first beer I ever drank there, and it just, for me, has everything that I want. Crispness, it's it's delicious cold it's got just flavor galore it's very drinkable it's not a ridiculous uh it's not a ridiculous uh, abv i believe it's around five and a half 5.2 to 5.7 or something like that uh and just really a, a, a great great beer that i love i will say this i only get it at the tap room uh, i've had the bottles of it and they just don't seem to compare it has to be the dis- the dispensing system they have down at, at Moorline or something it it's not exactly the same to me in bottles as it is in draft and that's part of the reason you know people drink craft or uh, drink craft beer and they drink draft craft beer is because it does impart just a, just a slight different characteristic uh to the finished product so so uh, uh, that's uh, that's my last pick and we'll let the gnome have the last word uh on uh, the cincy craft beer all-stars a lot of people haven't gotten a chance to try this yet but hopefully that will be changing in the near future um my next pick is Seth. okay i am guilty uh, for not listening to my uh, testing my facts before the show starts, uh, my slug on that uh, cart had 
uh, Mad Tree Soul Drifter, which is what uh, the gnome was going to pick uh, and bring up the bring up as the last but not least in our All Star since the All Stars of craft beer, uh, and uh, I know why he likes it. And I'm not going to presume to put words in Gnome's mouth or anything like that. I just know why he likes it. But it's the Mad Tree Soul Drifter. And on our show next week, he's going to have to explain for himself why he likes Soul Drifter so much. I know why I like it. Um, But it's not. I like it. I think it's good. I think I drink it. But it's not something that I reach out for and grab. as readily as he does. Uh, and also Tina, she's a real big fan of it as well. Um, I get it. I, it's not always something that's for me. So anyway, let's run it down again. The uh, Cincy Craft Beer All-Stars, Ryan Geist Truth, Mount Carmel um, uh, Coffee Brown, uh, Fibonacci Toll House, uh, Mad Tree Soul Drifter, and then uh, we had uh, Tafts for Pete's Sake, uh, Triple Digit Chacal, Urban Artifact Finn, Braxton Deadblow, and uh, last, of course, but not least, Moorline, Christian Moorline, Lagerhouse Northern Liberties IPA. We will have all of that on the website, www.cincybrewcast.com, where you can also check out from back in um, late April, early May, our homage to the NFL player draft where we had our Cincy craft draft and picked 30 beers with which we would start our theoretical uh, craft beer tap room that uh, our asked and answered question, which we will not get to tonight, but we will wrap that up and we will also send out our prize pack next week, which is a prize pack of uh, some great stuff from Ohio brew week. Uh, We hope you enjoyed that program. A uh, real quick programming note, uh, I mentioned um, uh, Cincy Beer Brought show that we'll be recording next Sunday night, uh, July 19th, uh, and also um, on July, 25th, or July 26th, Sunday, we will be recording that night, or the 27th, I guess, we'll be recording, which is the Monday, we will be inviting the guys in from the exciting new beverage, a lot of people have been Uh, talking about it on social media a lot of people have been commenting on it a lot of people have tried it i have not but gnome and tina both had has and they they rave about it and it will be bringing in the folks from hop water and if you don't know what hop water is you can check it out uh on social media on their website hop water is a tonic flavored with hops so i guess it's similar to um the uh, the tonic water that you would put say in a gin and tonic but it comes in several different flavors and instead of being uh bittered by quinine or by any other sort of artificial ingredient uh the bittering agent in hop water is hops so we talked about hops on this show we come around for full circle uh we we met with uh, dave volkman of ohio valley hops we're going to also be meeting with the hop water folks on the 27th and then the next week dave volkman also talked about this gentleman we are honored thrilled beyond belief uh that he even answered my email <laughs> and he'll probably be uh, somewhat embarrassed by my assessment of uh, that. Uh, I can't believe that he answered my email, uh, but we're going to be joined by Scott LaFollette of blank slate brewing. Um, 
just an absolute phenomenon of craft beer here in Cincinnati. Uh, the beer was an instant hit. He opened a tap room. The tap room was an instant hit. So um, a lot of great, great stuff coming up on Cincy Brewcast in the next few weeks. And that doesn't even count the show the following week, August 8th. Put it on your calendar. Get down to Braxton Brewing Company in Covington. We are going to be doing our Cincy Brewcast program live. It'll be Sunday night, August 9th. Did I say August 8th again? I think I do do that almost every time. But it'll be Sunday evening, August 9th. Let's see here. Yes, August 9th uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. in the Braxton Garage. We're absolutely thrilled to be asked to come down to Braxton as well. So uh, we've got a lot, a lot, a lot of very, very exciting stuff going on here on the Brewcast uh, that uh, we are going to be so proud to bring to you. So that about wraps it up here uh, on Cincy Brewcast. Uh, Once again, my name is Mike Cisneros. We'd like to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to download us, uh, bring us up on iTunes. Uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, whatever way you listen to us, we certainly appreciate it. And next week, we will be joined by uh, the Gnarly Gnome and Tina Cisneros again. So, for the Gnarly Gnome and Tina Cisneros, this is Mike Cisneros saying thank you for listening to Cincy Brewcast. So long, you have been listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft.